This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to Feeling Blue from the Block M Podcast Network. Luke Yardy and Tyler Seeley here with you on Wednesday night, August 2nd, headed into Thursday, August 3rd. And of course, this is a big day, Tyler, because we have made it to football. No, the games are not here quite yet, but camp has opened up. The guys are in Schembechler Hall out on the practice field and getting after it here today for the first time opening camp. Uh, and that means we're just a few weeks away from doing battle at the big house against East Carolina. Tyler, what's going on? How you doing here today, man? Oh man, I can't wait. You know, this is this is like we all we're we're all waiting for. Um, you know, we we've all been counting down. I know you don't wish summer away, but you know, at this point, it's been nothing but rain here in Massachusetts, pretty much. And then we get really hot days. And then today was like in the seventies. Actually, when I woke up and and uh, I was in the office today at work, uh, walking into the into the into my office, it was like. 55 degrees i'm like oh man this is football weather i can't wait we're getting closer and closer and fall camp opens up today so uh definitely excited yeah man that that'll definitely have you feeling like the fall is here and you know it it was uh it was warmer here today for that, but we had a day like that last week where where I walked outside in the morning and I just kind of like smelt the air and, you know, like the 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 dew is all on the grass and it's a yep. little chillier, you know, and it's like, oh man, it's almost here. We're almost there. We've almost made it. So uh, we've got fall camp. We got some other things obviously starting to ramp up here uh, as we get into August and as we kick off fall camp, I, I think a good discussion to have here uh, would be maybe some questions that that we expect to get answered over the next couple of weeks before uh, Michigan takes the field. I know I've got a couple of questions uh, that, that'll certainly get answered. I, I know you do uh, as well. So I'll start with you, LeVan. Like what, as you look at this team headed into fall camp, you know, it's, it's a pretty complete roster. Uh, and so there, there are fewer question marks I think then then in most years and quite honestly question marks aren't even necessarily a bad thing you know what I'm saying just just some some things that that you have about going into this season about this team yeah I mean there's a couple things for sure I mean cornerback too we, we've kind of alluded to we know Will Johnson's going to be the the number one guy and um, you know we don't know who's going to be two or two and and who's going to be battling but but I mean the thing is 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 my biggest question is can JJ McCarthy take that next step forward? That's that's my biggest question. Can that offense really um kind of get in sync earlier in the season? Can they can they move the ball through the air a little bit more efficiently, even if it's against an East Carolina or it's against a UNLV or a bowling green? Do we see them open up the offense just a little bit? I'm not saying let's show everything we got. Um I, I kind of like the hold everything back until you really need it i don't mind that but at the same time i'm like do we get to see a little bit more of of what they've been working on do we get to see some some you know deep bombs by jj mccarthy that that's my biggest question i feel like 
Um, I, I'm going to piggyback off that. I, I've got something similar. It's not quite the same. Um, it, it, and it's not, you know, it, it is a question, but it's more of a, this, this offense and and you put it in a, in a good perspective there. Can it kind of take the next step? My biggest thing is, is how different is it going to look in the first couple of games of the season and then heading into, into big 10 play against Rutgers in game number four with the fact that we've got one guy who's going to be taking pretty much all the first team reps, right? Last year, JJ and Cade were battling uh, for the, for the number one spot. Now you go back two years ago, Cade was the number one guy. No questions asked. If you ask Jim Harbaugh going into that Western Michigan game, but even still this team just kind of ran the football, ran the football against Western Michigan, against Washington and and against Northern Illinois in in those teams. Um, You know, is it going to be a little bit different to kick off the year? Is the offense going to be a little more fluid now that JJ McCarthy and all the ones, you know, are, are kind of taking these reps together and for JJ himself, right? You go back to, to last year, he had the shoulder injury in this, in the spring that really limited his entire off season throwing uh, in the spring, in the summer. And he started to ramp it up during camp, which obviously played into the quarter battle with Cade. With J.J. having a presumably healthy summer and getting that throwing and working on his mechanics and, and putting on some weight, uh, if you've seen him and you've, and you've seen the reports as well, you know, how much is that going to to impact how much of a flow this offense has, given that he's been able to have an entire summer and the fact that he's hit in camp as the undisputed number one quarterback? And healthy, knock on wood. That's That's really the key. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, staying healthy is ultimately the right the, the biggest thing for this team, man, because we, we talk about what they have, how strong their roster is, uh but but it can all be undone, you know, with with an injury here or there, you know, and and that's the that is going to be kind of the biggest obstacle. I know Michigan plays a couple of really good teams here this year, but ultimately I think Michigan's uh, biggest obstacle is going to be able to uh, be stay healthy. Uh, absolutely. And the quarterback position is is obviously we know it's the most important position in football um, and on this football team primarily. I mean, because if J.J. were to, God forbid, go down, I mean, what do you got in replacement? You got Jack Tuttle and, and you know, Davis Warren, stuff like that. I mean, that's not exactly a J.J. Cade kind of situation. Um, so, I mean, that that, that's the one thing it's like you know you got everything going for you you just really need to hope for health really yeah and and especially um with with JJ because if you paid attention to uh media day at all man did Jim Harbaugh have some extremely high praise uh for this guy I think he kind of had a, a quote taken out of context a, a little bit I think that uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, when he said the thing uh, about a first year starting quarterback at JJ McCarthy, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing he, he was talking about, uh, at Michigan, but ultimately look, I know he didn't put up the numbers as some of the guys like Justin Fields and, and Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio state counterparts and some other guys, you know, that, that were first year, full year starters, JJ McCarthy led this team 
to an undefeated regular season, a Big Ten championship in a college football playoff appearance. I don't think Harbaugh was that off base, even though the the numbers don't support it because of the offense that Michigan runs. Uh, but, I mean, you you think about what Harbaugh said and all the confidence he's got in him. Man, he I don't think he like just says those things to say them. You know, he, he doesn't use a motivational tactic. Like, if there's one thing we know about Jim Harbaugh is he wears the heart on the sleeve, man. And, you know, if he's saying these things about J.J., he's certainly seeing something right now that that he feels he can be an elite, elite player in this country. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's no reason. And again, we talk about that step forward that J.J. needs to take. Doesn't mean he has to be a Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't mean he has to be a Joe Burrow. But could he be a Heisman finalist? I don't see why not if Michigan uh, obtains all the goals that they have in front of them. You know, you beat Ohio State, you go undefeated, um, you get to the college, you get to the Big Ten, you win a Big Ten championship and get to know what's going to happen. But is it is it on the table? I would say it is, especially if, if he does all those things, if, if Michigan does all those things. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, so that's that's one of my bigger questions. We kind of had uh, the the same uh, sort of idea, right? We, we just went about it kind of in, in different ways. But I think you and I, obviously, you alluded to it a little bit. My biggest question going into this camp that obviously needs to get resolved and, and everyone knows it, right? It is the biggest weakness on this Michigan football roster, and that is who is lining up opposite of Will Johnson, right, as CB2. We know Will Johnson, CB1, going to be the starting corner. We know Mike Sanders still one of the best nickel players in the Big Ten, if not the country. Who is going to be on that other side? We kind of thought, you know, Amari and Walker going into spring, but then you watch the spring game, you're like, oh, man, uh, you know, he's definitely got some work to do uh, in that regard. And then they get Josh Wallace that transfers in uh, from UMass that a lot of guys, you know, from the sounds of it, have a lot of high praise for, you know, has a chance to go and snatch that CB2 position. Uh, he wasn't like otherworldly at UMass a year ago. But as we know, uh, you know, playing in those Don Brown defenses, uh, things can get a, a little bit tricky when you're kind of on an island for an entire game sending blitzes. And if they don't get home, man, you might be toast a little bit. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But that that is the one weak spot. Other than that, right, they are seriously shored up with Rod Moore and Makari Page at, at the safety position. As we mentioned, Will, Will Johnson and Mike Sandra still, it's who is going to be opposite that is far and away uh, not only the biggest question for the defense, but I think the biggest question mark for the entire team. All right, yeah. So my thoughts on CB2, I mean, is it Amarion Walker? Is it Josh Wallace? Uh, Amarion Walker, I think it would be interesting if that's the case. That would mean that Josh Wallace um, would be a number three, which I guess is the worst thing, but that would probably tell me, one, either Amarion Walker is really taking a step forward and is the CB2 that you thought he would be, or you thought he could be, I should say, or that Josh Wallace isn't that good. So I, I feel like it could go either way. Yeah, I man, uh, you know that that's that's one one spot that we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, that there's a couple of other guys as well. You know, uh, German Green, maybe Jaden McBurrow's uh, getting in there a little bit as well. We'll we'll see exactly what happens through throughout camp, but. I mean, ultimately, you know, you got to be feeling somewhat good knowing that there's some solid depth there, and that's kind of your biggest question mark on your team, right? 
Absolutely. And if that's the question mark on your team that that's going to hold you back, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're going to have as many issues as you think you are, because you know what? I mean, the safeties are good. The middle linebackers are the, I should say the linebackers of the whole are good and the edge position and the defensive yep. tackles. I think the defense as a whole is, is very strong. And I think the one, obviously, as we know, the one weak spot is the cornerback number two. And that's a good point too, right? Is that like this defense can mask a lot uh, for that position as well with the pass rush, the interior yep. D line, the the great linebacker play. I think, you know, uh, and especially a guy like Will Johnson being able to take away damn near half a field and then a couple of great safeties over the top. Like, I don't think it's as scary as a lot of people make it out to be, but I still think it's a pretty good question as we head through fall camp. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one other question I think I have is kind of how the special teams uh, come together. You know, James Turner coming over as as kicker, replacing Jake Moody, one of the best in the history of Michigan uh, from Louisville. Uh, sounds like he's got a slight lead early on in camp. Uh, high praise for Tommy Dahman, uh, the sophomore punter, man. he uh, The special teams, uh, they've been short. The last two years with Moody and Brad Robbins. Now we have two new faces, but uh, I, I don't expect them to take a, a big step back uh, here this year. Obviously, with Jake Moody leaving, you're, you're probably expecting a slight step back. But James Turner was really good at Louisville a year ago. Yeah, I mean, obviously, special teams can win you and lose you football games, especially close ones. Um, but I don't think the drop off is going to be as significant as some people do. <clears throat> I mean, for a while, Michigan has had some really good kickers. So um, that goes back. I know Quinn Nordine was kind of up and down, but even before that, you had uh, what Kenny Allen. So uh, I think that's a strength of Michigan. I really do think. And then obviously punting, you had Will Hart and guys like that. So I don't think the the special teams is that uh, not, not that it's not important. Of course, it's very important. But in the Jim Harbaugh coaching tree and especially Jim Harbaugh himself, this is not going to be a team that struggles with special teams. They they use that. They it's a very detail oriented kind of thing, and and Jim Harbaugh is a very detail oriented guy, as we know. Uh, what about you, man? What, what other sort of questions are you looking forward to? Kind of storylines, maybe watching progress through camp here this year. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think the biggest thing is what is it going to look like when you face? Uh, what what is it going to get look like when you get punched in the mouth uh, for the first time? Um, because we know that you're not going to really have much resistance from uh, East Carolina, you know, Bowling Green or UNLV or maybe even Rutgers, right? I mean, those are the the teams that are probably not going to give you a ton of resistance. What is it going to look like when you when you face Penn State? What's it, what's it going to look like when you face Ohio State or even MSU? I know MSU, obviously a down team right now, but this is when they're most when when they're scariest because this is when. They come into the big house, or actually, I guess we're going to East Lansing this year, where they have nothing to lose, and they're just like, you know what, screw this, we're going to beat these guys and screw ruin their season. So uh, that would be my biggest question. I'll tell you what, I don't have a whole lot of questions about this team yeah. because you know what, that just gives you such a such a vision of how good this team really could be uh, if everything kind of comes together. Um, I'm also very intrigued to see if Donovan Edwards takes a step forward. Um, does he beat up Blake Corum for running back number one? I know that doesn't sound like it's going to happen. I know Blake Corum came back to be running back one, but 
Donovan Edwards was damn good down the stretch last year, and he was very important to that football team. Um, he really kind of picked up a slack where where Blake Corum obviously was injured. So all the other thing I'm kind of looking forward to, kind of going back to the running back position, does Blake Corum rebound from the injury that he had mm-hmm. sustained against Illinois? Um, what what's it going to look like? You know, with was it an ankle injury? Is that what it was? No, well, uh, I think it was part ankle, but it was mostly the the torn meniscus that yeah. was a, a big issue. I think maybe it was a sprained LCL uh, to go along with it, one of those CLs. Uh, so, it, but they, uh, you know, he had to have knee surgery and, and rehab and everything. But he said he's good to go, man. He, he said he, he's full blown and getting back after it. I'm and I'm interested to see it because you know what? Last year before he got hurt, that was a Heisman caliber season that he was having yep um and i'm hard pressed to believe that if he didn't finish the season healthy and beat ohio state and if that was him carrying the ball uh for those two touchdowns instead of donovan edwards you see blake Corum heisman uh candidate or at least that does he win it is it a possibility that he w- wins it because i think caleb williams won it down the stretch i don't think that he was the far and away favorite to win the heisman i think i remember having conversations in like week uh, I don't know, week eight or nine, where like, okay, it's Blake Corum and pretty much everybody else at this point. And obviously Caleb Williams is there because he's the quarterback, Drake May as well. But, um, you know, that's kind of my question. Does he pick up where he left off? Yep. Uh, and I think there's there's a really good chance. We we know it's arguably the best running back group uh, in the country. Also interested in, in seeing the wide receivers progress here to, to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about. Because returning all these guys, you know, Cornelius Johnson and uh, Roman Wilson, you know, and last year we, we didn't get a ton of production from the receivers. But going back to what I was talking about, building chemistry and, you know, having that with J.J. a year ago, having a full summer of offseason workouts, now having a full camp, running with the ones and J.J. being the guy running with the ones instead of splitting, working on that chemistry. Can these guys take a step forward at that position? Because we know that the talent they have. And we expected it last year. I remember, you know, going into the season, talking about it. Oh, my God, the receiving room. You know, all these guys are back. They're explosive. It's going to open up Michigan's offense. And and we just kind of saw more of the same, just a little more efficient, particularly running the football. Um, Can they unlock that next level? That truly makes them a national title contender, being able to sling this thing a little bit. It all starts with the receivers being on the same page as J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's not really a... Number one receiver, I guess, you know, by default, it's Cornelius Johnson. He decided to come back for his senior year. Roman Wilson, does he take a step forward? Um, do you see, uh, you know, um, any of the young guys take take a well, step well, forward? Well, that's, that's the next thing, right? Can we see Tyler Morris and Darius Clemens, like, step up? And then all of a sudden, you know, these guys are dynamic athletes. If they become uh, ingrained in the offense, all of a sudden you got four receivers, You've got a, a great uh, tight end in A.J. Barner uh, and Colston Loveland, you know, a, a great one-two punch with the tight end position. It's like, man, you know, the potential is there, but the potential was there last year, and we didn't quite see it in, in the passing game as much as we would have liked to. Now we can't complain, right? They, they went undefeated and won a Big Ten championship. Um, but to to take that next step and just be the big dog on the block in the country, I think that's going to have to happen. Yeah, and I think the other thing too that that we 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 
don't have the answers to what's Colson Loveland going to look like in his second year. He's so good, man. He's yeah. an unbelievable tight end. I mean, do you see some two tight end sets with him and KJ Barner or sorry, uh, AJ Barner? Um, that That's to me interesting. I mean, obviously in the run game, they'll be out there, but do you see some deep passes to Colson Loveland? I mean, he proved that he could do it in the Ohio state game. Um, he, him, he and JJ seem to have a pretty decent connection. Um, uh, that's really the questions. I mean, really the, the passing game, we know, we know it can be good serviceable. We want to see if it can be elite mm-hmm. because I mean, again, it, it makes the offense unstoppable with the way that they're able to run the football and, and, and you know, the, the run concepts that they have. And, and, you know, I'm not going to bore you with all the, the pulling push and pull and the pin pull and pulls, pin. baby. Exactly. So like, but the things that they do with the offensive line, I think there's a video on YouTube if you really care to watch it and see, get nerdy about it. Like the things that they do with their offensive line is just dynamic. There's just a bunch of different looks that they give you. So you don't know whether they're running, whether they're throwing. And if they do run, they can't, you can't stop them because their offense is so good and their offensive line is so good. Now, let me ask you this Do you have any questions with the offensive line this year? With Oli Olu with Timmy leaving, well, well, that's the thing too, right? You're bringing in uh, a couple of guys, Ladarius Henderson, obviously being uh, the big one coming over from from Arizona State. But I mean, I don't necessarily have any questions. I mean, there's a lot of people thinking Michigan could have seven offensive linemen drafted or signed to UDFA contracts in the NFL. In uh, a reminder, only five offensive linemen are out there playing, so the depth is unreal. They're going to be top three Joe Moore award finalist uh, once again here this season. I I'm interested in how they mesh, but I don't really have any question marks or concerns. I should say uh, with the big boys up front. Yeah. And like I mentioned, they'll have some, some three or four soft landings, uh, you know, in the first three or four weeks of the season where the competition isn't, isn't crazy. And they'll, they'll give themselves opportunity for playing time. You know, Jim Harbaugh had a bunch of play. What did he play? 90 players in one of the games last year or something like that. Some ridiculous like that. So um, he wants to give everybody a chance to play in those games because, you know, once Big Ten play rolls around, probably not going to see a lot of playing time. So, yeah. Uh, Real quick, as we kind of come up on the the last little bit of the show here. So, Tyler, I I woke up Hmm. this morning, right? And, And I scrolled Twitter. I was up a little earlier than I wanted to. And I'm on Twitter. And I see a tweet uh, from a day ago uh, from from ESPN College Football, and it was uh, teams with the best chance to make college football playoff via ESPN's FPI uh, Football Power Index. It, it was a graphic, right? And I'm looking at it. USC is fifth, twenty four percent. Michigan uh, fourth, or excuse me, they're they're fifth. USC six. Michigan fifth, twenty five point nine percent. They have less of a chance according to FPI than Texas at thirty four point two percent, who is the fourth best odds. Alabama third at sixty two point one. Georgia second, sixty three point one. Then I see the top. Ohio State FPI is giving them an eighty two point two percent chance to make the college football playoff. It. This is 6.30 in the morning, man. I'm still tired as hell, right? And I just fire off a, a tweet that I'm still getting notifications about 14 hours later. Uh, and it was the fact that I very much vehemently disagree with that percentage uh, for Ohio State. They have a really tough schedule. They travel to Notre Dame. 
to Wisconsin and to the big house this year. In addition to hosting Penn State, they're replacing their quarterback, a two-time Heisman finalist at C.J. Stroud, and their two all-Big Ten tackles. They don't even know who's playing tackle probably as they head into camp here this year. I think 82% is an absurd number from, from ESPN's FPI. I don't use it as the harbinger of everything, right? Uh, you know, ESPN's FPI, I've been very vocal about how I don't think it's a very good metric. And I think this this kind of ultimately descri- uh, uh, puts it into to great perspective because you're telling me Ohio State has almost four times a chance to make a college football playoff than Michigan when Michigan has a top 10 returning production number in the country plus their quarterback coming back and their back-to-back Big Ten champs. I mean, it's just a little ridiculous to me. It, it is. It's absolutely absurd. I saw it. Uh, cause, uh, I have a couple friends that are Buckeyes and they, they sent it to me and they're just like, this is a joke. They said that Buckeyes fans said that. And I'm just like, I'm thinking to myself, like you, I saw it early in the morning. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and not put too much stock into this. And the more I looked at it, the more it pissed me off because it's like, like I told you before on a previous episode, it's. College football is very predetermined. You know, 10 years from now, Ohio State's going to be in the top five, more than likely. Alabama's going to be there. Georgia's going to be there. Alabama, as long as Saban's still there. Like, it's very predetermined. And so then when you look at stuff like this, it pisses you off because it's like nothing that Michigan did the last two years gets gets thrown into this fire. It's just, nope, Ohio State's there. They recruit higher than Michigan does. They have a three times as high chance of making the college football playoff as Michigan does. But I'll tell you one thing right now. Their schedule is harder. Michigan has Ohio State in the big house this year. I think their toughest game for Michigan is on the road at Penn State. Um, And so it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Doesn't also not not considering the fact that you kicked their ass both times the last two years in Ann Arbor the first year. The 42-27 drubbing. It could have been even worse. And then last year, you went to Columbus and you handed them their lunch. Okay? So, the fact of the matter is, how does Ohio State have a three times as high chance of making the playoff as Michigan? It makes no sense. The returning uh, number that Michigan has is far higher than Ohio State. Ohio State, you alluded to it already, they have a quarterback battle between a five-star in Kyle McCord and a five-star in Devin Brown. We don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Is he going to be very good? More than likely, yes. But mm. does that mean he's going to be better than J.J. McCarthy is in year three now of J.J. McCarthy? I don't think so. And I know J.J. McCarthy didn't play a lot in year one. Um, but, you know, this is effectively year three, right? Mm. I mean, they gadgeted him in year one. Last year, he, he took over for Cade. And this year is his first year as the, the starting quarterback at Michigan from the beginning. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It 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 really just reeks of ESPN trying to to really say, you know what, Michigan, you beat Ohio State twice again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, I, I mean, I look. 
at the end of the day, it's a it's a number thing. It's an algorithm that that spits out numbers. It's it's just a model. Like I don't, yeah, you no, know, I everyone's like, oh, it's ESPN. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's just a model. Like no one no one is sitting behind the desk like coming up with this, right? It's what the numbers they put in. It's how they set it up. I just don't think it's it's a very good metric. Would I be surprised if Ohio State made the college football playoff this year? No. I mean, how could you be right? Like they they've made it seven times since 2014. And you're obviously not going to be. Last year too, so. Yeah, you're you're not going to be surprised if they make it but 82 percent just seems a, a little bit high to me i think i think michigan should be uh have a, a a stronger chance to make it than ohio state given returning production and given schedule right they they draw nebraska minnesota and purdue out of the west here this year whereas ohio state's got to go to camp randall and i think that's going to be a much improved wisconsin team under in, in luke fickle's first year so uh, I mean, the schedule for Ohio State's much harder than Michigan's, you know, going to Notre Dame as well, where Michigan is, you know, uh, let, let's be frank, they're playing a bunch of bums the first three weeks of the season. So, I mean, it's whatever. I'm, it, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, but gives us a little bit to talk about, right? Absolutely. Speaking of things to talk about, just quickly, did you see um, the Big Ten is starting to do their due diligence on Oregon, Washington? Cal and Stanford. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, I'm not not a big fan, obviously, but uh, you know, it is what it is, and and pretty soon we're going to be down to two mega conferences in college football uh, between the SEC and the Big Ten. I think at this point, uh, Florida State threatening to leave the ACC. We, we've heard some things about Clemson potentially doing it as well. So it is what it is, man. Good it's luck new landscape. With that. Yeah, because it's, it's there's, there's that grant of rights that's 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 there for till 2036. And if you leave the conference, the conference still has the rights to your games. There's a, I think there's a 50, 50 million dollar fee to leave the conference or something ridiculous like that it might be 30 million. They're not going to pay that. Right. They're stuck. Those schools are stuck there, whether they like it or not. The only possible way is if every school in lockstep says, you know what, screw the ACC, we're leaving, good luck trying trying to take our rights away, because there there's only a grant of rights as long as the ACC is still around. The ACC is right. not around anymore, then uh, that's where it goes, that's where it's up in the air. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm very scared for college football right now. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a that's a deeper dive discussion for another day, especially when it when it gets closer to happening. We're running out of time. Tyler, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91 and any other social media. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Yardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure to follow uh maze brew on twitter as well and subscribe rate and leave a review for all of our podcasts from the block m podcast network we've got a lot of great shows as uh camp is underway and we're just a few weeks away from kicking it off in the big house for tyler seeley i'm luke yardy we'll see you next week on feeling blue